0: Welcome to U.S. Rail Journeys Series 3. It's been a long time coming, but with the easing of travel restrictions, I have been able to make the journeys I had originally planned for the spring of 2020. Join me as I travel 6,684 miles with Amtrak across the United States. First I take the Silver Star from Miami to New York, then the Crescent from New York to New Orleans. Next, I take the Texas Eagle from Los Angeles via San Antonio to Chicago. Then it's the Lakeshore Limited from Chicago to New York. And finally, the Acela from New York up to Boston. Episode two, Miami. It's Friday lunchtime. I've had a good night's sleep in my hotel. And one of my first today is taking a ride on Uber. Something I've never ever done before. I'm using a US SIM card and I did have an Uber account set up and I've worked out how to change my telephone number and it all seems to have worked because the Uber picked me up and brought me to the botanical gardens. I'm going to be spending the next couple of hours, I think, wandering around these rather splendid looking gardens. Now, the botanical gardens aren't in Miami, they're in Miami Beach, which is the other side of the water from my hotel. And we pass some incredibly expensive housing. Houses that are big enough that at the bottom of the garden, there's a dock for a large motor cruiser. Not just a dinghy. I think there's money here. The garden was created on the historic Collins Canal by the city of Miami Beach in 1962 and operated as a city park. The site is opposite the Miami Beach Convention Center, which had been built in 1957. The canal is an integral part of the early days of Miami Beach. In the early 1900s, pioneer John Collins dug the canal to transport mangoes and avocados, which at that time were called alligator pears, by boat from the groves along what is now Pine Tree Drive to the Port of Miami. In the 1920s, pioneer Carl Fisher developed Lincoln Road and luxury hotels such as the Flamingo and the Nautilus. These had polo fields and golf courses, and the garden site was originally part of one of the golf courses. Fisher promoted tourism with the help of a baby elephant named Rosie, who served as a golf caddy to holidaying President-elect Warren Harding in 1921. In 1922 Miami Beach boasted the largest avocado and mango groves in the world but Miami's agricultural roots didn't last much longer as they were sacrificed to the tourist trade. Although tourism has long been a driving force in Miami Beach, the city has also experienced setbacks through economic recessions, world wars and destructive hurricanes. The garden fell into disrepair and in 1996, a group of residents approached the city to create the Miami Beach Garden Conservancy as a non-profit organisation in order to restore the garden. Today, Miami Beach Botanical Garden is a public-private partnership. It's owned by the city and operated by the Conservancy. It's a dynamic venue for arts and cultural programming, environmental education and cultural tourism. The garden is a unique, subtropical oasis of beauty and tranquillity within an urban setting. A community resource to refresh, inspire and engage with visitors. I think the best thing that I can do as I walk around these gardens is take the shady path rather than going out into the full blast, of the summer's sun. There seem to be plenty of palm trees here, but then that's what I'd expect. I just hope I don't come across any alligators. There's a lovely large pond with a fountain. imagine that this garden's a little bit special for those who know about it in Miami Beach because on one side there's the convention center and at 90 degrees to the convention center a large apartment block so it's certainly squeezed in amongst all of the mammon of today's culture there are some beautiful butterflies here lovely different colors but of course whenever you try and take a photograph of one that's settled down for a couple of moments It then flies off again, just before the shutter clicks. It's most frustrating, but they glide so beautifully. There's a small Japanese garden here with running water. The sound of the running water is so soothing on a warm and humid afternoon. It's been very pleasant sitting under the trees, listening to the water. It is a truly lovely oasis. I'm just crossing the lawn, which is in full sunshine, to the lake with the beautiful fountain, which is full of koi carp. Oh, and a lovely, lovely turtle stood on a rock. For those of you that like pomegranates I've just found a pomegranate tree with all must be a good 10 or 12 pomegranates on it I've never seen one actually growing outside and the pomegranates they're pale at the moment but there's one oh, one over there that's turning red and nice size as well After my very pleasant visit to the botanical garden, I used Uber again to return to my hotel. I spent some time in the shopping arcade, which can be found on the ground floor of the hotel, and found somewhere to have a late, light lunch. In the evening, I had a very pleasant meal in a restaurant called the Opera House. It is just across the street from the hotel and is well worth a visit if you're in the area. After a good night's rest on the Saturday morning, I checked out the Doubletree Grand Biscayne Bay and an Uber took me to Miami's Amtrak station. I've now arrived here at Miami station, or Amtrak's Miami station, which I would imagine was built in the 1960s or 70s. the first train in series three of US rail journeys. It's the Amtrak Silver Star train number 92 which is going to take me 1522 miles between Miami and New York. There are 38 scheduled stops on the journey. The Silver Star first ran on the 12th of December 1947 nearly 75 years ago. From 1947 to 48 it only ran in the winter but by 1949 it was running all year. The main Miami-bound route went through the interior of Florida via and Winter Haven, and in the peak winter service in the mid-1950s there was a section that went to St. Petersburg via Tampa. During 2019, the Silver Star carried nearly 389,995 passengers, which was an increase of 5.9% from 2018. Amtrak contracts with host railways to operate its passenger trains. The hosts are freight and commuter railways. Our train is single-decked because double decker trains cannot run through the low tunnels in the Baltimore and New York areas. Our host railways between Miami and Washington include tri-rail, sunrail, CSX and the Piedmont division of NS. From Washington to New York we will be on Amtrak's own tracks and have an electric locomotive. So today Saturday and our train departs at 11.40am. Miami is the second largest city in Florida, with a population of over 442,000 in the 2020 census. It's the core of the eighth largest metro area in the US, with over 6,138,000 people. It is the fourth largest majority Hispanic city in the US, with over 70% of the population being Hispanic in 2020. Major industries include finance, commerce, media, entertainment, arts and international trade. It's home to the highest concentration of international banks in the US and it's famed for its beaches. Miami is the only major city in the US founded by a woman, Julia Tuttle, who was a local citrus grower and originally a native of Cleveland. She convinced Henry Flagler to expand his Florida East Coast Railroad further into the region in 1894. It is bordered by two national parks, the Everglades on the west and Biscayne on the east. Its true tropical climate has never recorded an average monthly temperature under 64 degrees Fahrenheit. And the one recorded snowfall? That was in 1977. The station opened in June 1978, replacing the Seaboard Airline Station built in 1930. It is several blocks away from the Tri-Rail and Metrorail Transfer Station, and there is no direct connection between the stations. The station was built under Amtrak's Standard Stations Programme, an initiative to build stations to support the Amtrak brand. The station was scheduled to be replaced by Miami Intermodal Center in 2016, But that was initially delayed to late 2018 and now indefinitely. In 2019 the station was used by 62,487 passengers. The ridership figures that I will be giving you in this series are based on 2019 because since then numbers have been a bit erratic because of the Covid pandemic. I'm stood outside now. There's a little, little bit of a gentle breeze. In the background, you can hear the air conditioning whirring away in the carriages of the train that's going to take me to New York. The train itself is being serviced prior to our departure. Baggage car at the back. And somewhere quite a long way down the track, the locomotive. Looks like, including the baggage car, it's a 12-car train today. They're calling the passengers for the train. Everybody riding train 92, please line up to the right-hand side. Love you. Love you. People saying goodbye. Yeah. Tickets being checked. Train's ready for the passengers. Have a nice trip. Thank you. No. OK. <laughs> so everybody with some expectation now of a journey. Maybe going home, maybe going on holiday, going to see friends. Going to a new job, all different types of things that people are hoping to do once they get on the train, get to their destination. Well I've found my sleeping car, 9211. So up the steps, board the train, and sit in my seat. So there's ten minutes now until we're scheduled to leave Miami Station. The whirring that you can hear is the fans on the air conditioning in my room at cooling the air down to something civilised. Final checks being made before departure, people getting aboard, passengers still arriving, staff whirring up and down the platform, taking baggage and other things, transporting those who need help, giving assistance all the way. As is usual, the station is not in the best area of town. However, The U.S. Rail Journeys podcasts are produced and published by the Mr. T Podcast Studio. Thank you very much for listening. And please join me again in a couple of weeks for the next instalment.